Welcome to Bullcaster, a crypto talk show with the most exciting guests and an incredible co-host, Konstantin Kogan. Um, which some people tend to think the venture market, um, which is where I operate, is highly correlated with the macro, with the major coins and alts. And alts follow the you know top 10 coins, and I think it's always going to be that way. Now, if Bitcoin runs to 100 um, in the next cycle, uh, who's to tell? Um, but there's smart brains at, you know, Delphi put out a great report on, you know, how things could look in the next bull and why that may be the case. Um, but all the entrepreneurs I'm talking to are holding back token launches until the next bull. So the next bull, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of really innovative projects that have been venture backed um, come into the market. So um, very exciting. A lot of people are holding back. So a lot of alts that you think you may see are going to wait until middle to end of next year to launch their token so now imagine you're talking about the practicality like you're saying that the funds started to deploy they're still still challenging but they're slowly deploying because first of all they have to right you know because there is like a notion what people probably don't know is about like a dry powder which equals mm -hmm. to the amount of money like venture capitals have and they have a quota to close by the end of the year so we're already like going out like, you know, to almost to Q4. So, you know, they have to deploy some, even if they have left doors. So you can, can you explain a little bit how that works and the logic of, uh, of VC? Yeah. So crypto funds are very different in terms of the life cycle of the fund than traditional venture capital. So in web two venture capital, typically funds span seven to 10 years and a period of time to deploy capital let's call it three to four to five years, right? In crypto, when we go and raise our funds, we're deploying typically on a two-year uh, time frame. So if I raise $50 million, I need to deploy that in two years. And then investors start to expect return in four years. That's really the beauty of the appeal, if you will, of crypto venture capital. You, there's liquidity mechanisms through tokens that aren't really available or not available in Web2 investments besides either an acquisition or an IPO on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, NASDAQ, or et cetera. Um, liquidity is a huge advantage. And yes, um, the way funds work is, say you have that 50 million of uh, committed mm -hmm. capital, um, these fund managers are getting paid, you know, somewhere between one and 2% per year on 50 million to pay for their salaries, expenses to evaluate deals. So if they're sitting on that capital and not deploying it, their investors are going to be wondering, um, are you doing your job? And so what we mm -hmm. saw in the bear market was a lot of meetings being taken and no checks being written. I call it kicking the tires. Um, very frustrating for entrepreneurs. I've been in your shoes once again. Um, and so really the goal of entrepreneurs is to really seek out the check writers and figure that out as quickly as possible, um, whether by asking venture capitalists, like, are they actually writing checks? How recently? And you should feel very fair to ask that to investors when you meet with them. When was the last check you deployed? For real. And you'd be shocked. I'm shocked that a lot of the names from the last bowl that you recognize are not deploying now. And you have a lot of new funds pop up you've never heard of that are very, very active. Like Redbeard Ventures that I just joined two weeks ago, you know, we're deploying on 500K uh, checks two times a month. I mean, that's what an active fund looks like, okay? So um, it's a fair question and that's kind of been the state of affairs, but you know, the, 
the tiering and quality of the deal flow com coming through is so much higher than the last pull. And so, yeah, the bar has been raised, but I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I, and then the other thing, which is interesting, like a lot of people are looking at that, there is a there's a trend that not people like not a lot of projects are actually launching their tokens. So the the industry shifted a little bit to equity investments. So can you talk a little bit about this part, the difference between when you would deploy, let's say, to equity or tokens? Yeah. So there, okay, traditional venture capital just invests in the equity. Web three, like I was just talking about, you have the opportunity to invest in the equity and or in the token. And so the meta of the last cycle from let's call it 2020 to 2021, there was this whole meta around token only deals. Okay. Meaning when you buy a token, you're actually not owning equity um, historically in the business. Um, and it became a way and a vehicle for founders to have two routes to raise capital, one on the equity, one on the token. And so what happened was when the bear hit and token prices went down, you know, 80, 90%, um, investors were kind of uh, holding the bag if they hadn't um, divested those tokens or sold them, right? And so then they had no equity exposure um, where the value is, is all held and where the revenue goes. And so now the, the meta has transitioned to investors asking for equity and tokens like for me example i will not do a token only deal because whether tokens go up or they're down i need to have value on both sides of the equation to protect myself and our investors so that is where things are at typically the document's called a safe um simple agreement for future equity and then a token warrant and then each of those documents has uh, valuation terms and ratios of equity to token. It's very complicated, but um, something I can write on Twitter and try to simplify for people. But yeah. it has moved up and down and what investors are expecting. But there are funds out there, there are, that do token-only deals. They're just more few and far between, and that's their mandate. But yeah. I would say that's an exception, not the rule. And I agree. And by the way, what I one thing from my side, I would add, like, you know, that there are a lot of also syndicates, like, you know, like, so mm -hmm. who are applying, not a traditional VC firms, but like who are actually fully focused on tokens only. And there is like, you would be amazed. There's like hundreds of them. Oh, already. yeah. They may I'm be small. So typically it's like 10 to 50 people, right? You know, so. Yeah. And I'm in um, a couple of leading DAOs, um, one being the DGEN DAO, which is part of Knights of DGEN, really cool entertainment uh, DAO. Um, that has an investment arm. And then also Paladins DAO, which is a, a gaming IP and esports DAO. Um, a lot of investors in there. And so we're going to start running SPVs, um, special purpose vehicles, which mm -hmm. is, we're not a venture fund, we're a DAO. And we can run these vehicles for as small as $50,000 up to as big as you want. And we can charge um, carry, which is the profit for a fund, uh, and just go raise from a lot of angels and people in the community. It's actually really cool. And then you can bring the value of the DAO. Um, so if I write a check uh, with Redbeard Ventures for 500000 then the DAO can come in with me for another hundred or something. Uh, and then I get to add all this type of value to um, whoever I'm investing in. So yeah. yeah, there's really cool ways to fund companies. And you can also actually now raise capital within US frameworks through NFTs. NFTs can now actually equal equity 
And there's a cool company called Venture Club doing it. And I'm encouraging a lot of my, um, it's like the angel is for Web3 and encouraging my portfolios to raise from their credit investors um, and their community to raise money in this bear market. It's very creative. Um, so yeah, a lot of options. Yeah, for sure. And we're, we're looking to do that as well. So like, you know, even though we're not a typical DAO, but we'll operate like, you know, as a, as a quasi DAO, right? So like totally, totally support us and this, we can together help the industry grow. Um, before we jump into the questions from the audience, like, I just want to ask you, like, so there's an interesting report recently that was released um, by Crunchbase. You know? So so basically in the report that they they we talk about that the Web3 funding plummets as AI steals the show, right? You know, so do you actually perceive like, you know, that the sentiments on the street, so to speak, that like everybody's running after AI projects, right? You know, and they're like the Web3 kind of went a little bit to the backstage. Yeah, I think so. I think it has stolen the show a bit. And as investors and sentiment you have to think about the people that fund the venture capitalists they're called limited partners so they have put their money into crypto funds and like we discussed token prices and valuations on the equity and the tokens are down bad right now and so they're not feeling the love and therefore traditionally a lot of the ai companies aren't exposed to you know crypto so they're not down bad and a lot of the excitement went to ai but what i'm very excited about is the intersection of AI and blockchain, which is very um, up and coming trend um, when I'm receiving pitch decks. So whether it's AI music for games and blockchain games, for example, really cool things happening there or AI to you to build uh, user generated content and worlds in games. And there's a lot of applications for AI and data driven economy in games. And I talk about games because that's a big part of my investment history but I'm expanding beyond and there's so much AI and um, tooling that's being built in all sectors because I, if people aren't using AI, I'm probably not interested in investing in it, right? It's whether it's used as a tool or built in the product one way or another, but um, it's now come into crypto. And I think people, I mean, that's not one or the other now. I think they're melded almost perfectly blockchain and AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 100% agree. Like, I think there is a lot of applications and I will go hand in hand together. Um, thank you for this part. Now we want to open up the community part where people will ask you directly the questions, you know, like from all different uh, avenues, YouTube, Let's Twitter. get the questions going. I love yes. it. So we'll go to the blitz level because there's a lot of them. Okay. So crypto, crypto analyst Jade from YouTube is asking, with Crunchbase reporting a 76% plummet in venture funding to Web3 startups in the second quarter, how do you see this impacting the overall momentum of the Web3 ecosystem? Yes, it's down, you know, 70, 80%, as you highlighted. And I talked about this when we last spoke, Constantine, but, you know, still billions of dollars are being deployed. It's not a total winter. It's just that the bar is extremely high. People are asking now about what type of revenue you're generating. If you're at the seed stage, you know, to get a multi-million dollar seed round, we need to see product built, whether that's a demo in Figma or something that's actually in real life with users. And so investors have shifted their focus to traction, um, which could be revenue or users, um, TVL and DeFi, things like that. Um, 
but I think people are now the bull that people are expecting is is almost tangibly close as we kind of come into the end of the year that um, it's going to pick up, in my opinion. And the funds that have been raised are are there. Um, it's just a challenge for entrepreneurs finding those with um, money because it's not a very transparent market, to be honest. So you just ask people that know. Yeah. Uh, token uh, token Gunter from Twitter is asking, despite the overall funding challenges, some crypto firms have managed to raise significant capital recently. How do you differentiate the winners from the losers in the uh, in the in this fight of funding environment? Yeah, um, for the funds themselves, those who have raised big billion dollar funds um, really did well in the last bowl in terms of turning um, their token allocations in those rounds uh, into liquid profits for their investors. And so that cycle of them being able to raise capital became really, really easy. And you've had funds that weren't um, as quick to liquidate, um, not raising their funds as easily now. So in terms of projects, um, the amount of dollars raised and valuation is highly correlated to the team, um, you know, hype and momentum on community of, of the communities. Um, and translating that into enthusiasm with investors to go after something big. I think a trap um, entrepreneurs are, are running into right now is knowing the bear. They're like, look, we only need 150,000, 200,000, 500,000. Well, it's a trap because investors now are saying, how is that enough to last 24 months, right? We need you to sustain potentially a longer term bull. And so it becomes an immediate no. And once you come to an investor and say, you know, this is what I want, they start to doubt if you even have a big enough vision to justify the capital. And um, because there's safety in investing in bigger numbers, and we don't want you always coming back to the bank and like respawning to use a gaming word. Um, we want investors want now 24, 18, 24 months of runway, and they want to make sure the company is uh, secure that they're investing in. Web3, uh, Leo from YouTube is asking, user-friendly interfaces have been cited as a challenge for Web3 adoption. How do you think this uh, plays into the funding challenges, especially when trying to appeal to non-technical investors? Yeah, that's a really great question and a huge issue, right? Think about it. What wallet out there crypto wallet, would you really recommend to your friends? Uh, I would not recommend MetaMask and not even Coinbase. The CEO of Coinbase came out this week and said he knows his app is horrible and he's trying. But to me, investors are very interested in the consumer app layer right now and getting real users. And how do you do that? You need very easy user interfaces that normal people can use that aren't interested in crypto. I'm very interested in that app layer and the consumer side of things currently going forward for that reason alone, because the reason we're in the situation we are in the environment is that these companies that have raised capital have continued to go after the small market in Web3. In gaming, it's only two, 300,000 monthly active users. That is tiny. You know, like I'm very interested in the mass market, but you do still have very Web3 um, investors that don't care. They think no matter what we build, they'll come. I just happen to have a different opinion, but everyone's entitled to their opinion for sure. Yeah. Uh, 
you you touched a little bit about the DAO side, but there's another interesting question about a uh, DAO advocate from YouTube is asking, how do you see the role of DAOs potentially alleviating some of the funding challenges facing uh, by Web3 startups? DAOs are really cool because there's a lot of transparency around the money because the money invested is typically going on chain into a treasury that can be seen. And there's DAO leadership that, you know, there's multi-sig wallets and voting and control around where the money goes in a DAO. I think the struggle, um, you know, I'm in five plus different DAOs, actual ones, and they're tough because, and there's a lot of very active conversation around how you compensate people in a DAO, because at the end of the day, it's no one's typically full-time job, maybe besides the founder. And so how do you get people to actually contribute? That's a challenge that investors are thinking about when potentially investing in a DAO. Are there enough people there that are incentivized to have this DAO actually deliver on what it says it's going to do in a reasonable amount of time? And I see it, you know, um, where do we aggregate? How do you get people on the phone across global time zones and work async, asynchronously? It's very tough. Um, I'm really interested to see how DAOs evolve, but it is definitely a great way to raise capital and very much um, a Web3 uh, innovation. So there's another interesting question from LinkedIn. Uh, with the recent funding challenges, do you foresee a shift uh, of the in the types of projects that VCs are willing to back in the Web3 space? Yeah, I think so. You know, despite what I highlighted earlier, there's money being deployed across all sectors. Um, DeFi, consumer, um, gaming, less so. But what they're investing in, though, are much further along. Like before, investors would invest in a game that just had a few pieces of art about what it could look like. That doesn't happen anymore. People expect a full game. If you're a L1, L2, etc., people are actually going to be looking at user accounts, uh, total value locked, um, amount of transactions going in the throughput of that particular chain, and just further along projects. So for entrepreneurs to go and start a company now, you really have to be prepared to um, get to traction and wither that storm uh, to actually earn venture capital. It's a much higher bar and I see it every day. And it doesn't matter really who you are or how successful you were in your prior venture. It's all about what you're doing now in this new project. Yeah, another question from Twitter, actually talking about the gaming component, right? With Everrealm's involvement in the Web3 space, you know, you're active there, right? So, so how are you ensuring that the projects don't, or they now, like overextend themselves in, in these tighter financial times? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm very active with my portfolio companies because, you know, I've carried interest in the fund and I'm incentivized to help these companies really succeed. So I'm a, if you talk to my portfolio companies, I'm pretty... I'm more involved with them than most investors, just because I enjoy it and I like to um, work with these teams. You know, I see it right now. If there's um, not fully busy people seven, five days a week, you know how startups are. They're actually, you know, encouraging those employees to go maybe part time or, and then, you know, I'm constantly offering um, employees from one company to go work. Um, with another company for brief stints of time until the next rounds raise, for example. And so I'm really interested in 
connecting available talent to open opportunities across my, you know, 30, 40 plus different companies. And that's a one way I do think I can help entrepreneurs. And uh, I'm thinking about building a little quick platform to help make those connections easier. Um, but yeah, people are scaling down. Okay. They are letting people go and it's just a part of business. It's not personal. It's, it is sad, but um, you saw Star Atlas do a big layoff fairly recently. So um, people are being careful and we're encouraging our teams to really be cost conscious because there's no guarantee of future funding, no matter who you are, no guarantees. Yes, 100%. So uh, another question for YouTube. So do you believe that the recent funding challenges in Web3 are a sign of a, a, a maturing market or a warning of a larger downturn? Uh, I think things are looking up, you know, to be honest, you have, um, at least in the US, uh, a political climate that needs to catch up to the rest of the world. And my opinion is that it will in a number of years. Um, or else kind of there's going to be a dearth of talent uh, here in the States where I live. Um, I think the way the governments around the world are looking around crypto in China, uh, Tokyo, um, Singapore, South Korea, very crypto friendly for builders and the UAE, the Middle East, um, friends all over the world. And so they're making it easier for people to operate within the frameworks. And that leads to more builders in the space, in my opinion, because all the smartest brains that I know are coming into Web3. Um, uh, I think it's going up rather than down in terms of builders in the space. So uh, another question from YouTube, um, from DeFi Duelic. How do you anticipate the dynamics between centralized finance, CeFi, and decentralized finance, DeFi, to shift in the light of the recent funding crunch in Web3? Yeah, I have investments across CeFi and DeFi. I think, I think the political climate um, will force certain things to become more centralized, at least in the U.S. in the near term, if they want to operate here. Um, Again, I know you have a global audience here um, at Bullcast, but I think decentralization is the ultimate goal, though, for all projects, starting with the wallets and how you, um, you know, hold your own money. OK, and then um, all the investors in the space are always asking, you know, to what degree are you decentralized today? What are your goals for decentralization in the future um, and how you can get there and what's the path? Um, because that's really the ethos of the space. So I think um, regardless of what people need to do in the short term to be compliant, I think the goal of most projects is to be uh, decentralized. And that's what yeah, people want to see. Yeah, that's an interesting observation, right? You know, that if we actually believe in decentralized systems, that's that's kind of eventually the the goal. But I I don't think... All it's not things. an immediate thing yeah exactly not not now some of the companies i think they will never be decentralized it's just by design they're different mm -hmm. right so yeah um i guess talking about the activities like you know we have a big turkish community so that's mm, love question. turkey i have friends there let's go yeah so they're asking what's your take on upcoming istanbul blockchain week oh i'm sure it's going to be great i need to talk to my friend to about that and um he's my contact he's a scout for me in, in turkey um, and I'm very, there's a lot of capital flowing into that area of the world from the Middle East. Um, it's very, a great gaming hub for sure. A lot of talent there. 
Um, I'm going to have to look into um, Istanbul Blockchain Week, but I cannot wait to visit myself. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really cool cultural icon in the world. Thanks for the question. Are you are you going to some other conferences in the near future? Yes, I'll be at uh, Token 49 in Singapore, which is a very um, big venture capital um, touchdown place. So I'll be there. And then it's the holiday season in the US where I am. And so we'll see where I go next. Um, there's a really cool esports um, conference going on in Riyadh at the end of August, which I have a lot of friends going to. Um, there's Gamescom going on right now um, in Germany. Everyone's asking me. I'm getting FOMO. Uh, sadly, I'm not there. <laughs> Got it. Well, listen, I, I, I think you're ready, like, um, provided us with a lot of, like, interesting food for thoughts, you know, for the for the upcoming, you know, like, uh, end of the uh, end of this month and like the, the, the short short term uh, opportunity. So I really thank you for your thoughts. And I think the community enjoyed it. Thanks. Um, yeah, I uh, hope to see you more, Zach. And then thank you everyone for joining Bullcaster today. Like, you know, we are definitely going to see each other in two weeks and at 12 p.m. EST. Uh, and uh, you're going to see us on YouTube Live, LinkedIn Live, Twitter, and all the lives possible. So uh, hope to see more amazing guests. Yeah. Like I would love to come back. Thanks for having me. You're a fantastic host. I love your brand. It's always so professional working with you guys and very well prepared. These guys come with an agenda for me and prep me and very smart questions that I usually don't get. So awesome. And have a great day, everyone. Uh, GM. Thank you so much. Stay posted for more episodes from Bookcaster.